and welcome to Connected episode 475. It's made possible by our sponsors, ExpressVPN and Backblaze. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I have the pleasure of being joined by Mr. Mike Hurley. Roast me, Daddy. That's coming later. Mm-hmm. How are you? I'm good. I'm pretty good. I'm excited, though, you know? We got, uh, we got some roasts to, uh, roasts to do today. It's going to be awesome. Uh-huh. Are you joined by anybody? <laughs> no. It's just me and you. <laughs> it's just me and you. Anybody else that's here is an intruder. <laughs> Welcome to the show, returning champion, Federico Vitici. Hello. It is me, the champion. The champion. Yes. Congratulations on your championship. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a busy week. There's new Max out in the world. It's exciting. There's new Logic and Final Cut updates. But we're going to start with... Is that exciting? <laughs> we're going to start with follow-up. <laughs> okay. We had some anonymous feedback. Uh, someone else dealing with... So you know it's good. Okay. Dealing with time issues and reminders. So an anonymous listener wrote in, My version of Federico's bug suggests today for setting a due date on any day as long as I add a time. So I will tell reminders Friday at 9 a.m. And it will suggest today, even if today <laughs> is not Friday. Yeah, this what is, is what I have. What is going on? This, yeah. is, no, this is actually what I have. Even if I, like if I type in Monday 11 a.m., it says today, today. 10 p.m. Oh, yours is always the today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it happens, it is random but frequent. So it might work correctly today, but stop working correctly tomorrow. And when it is happening, it happens on all dates. It's very annoying. P.S. I'm using an English-Australian keyboard. Federico, are you using the English-Australian keyboard? Hello, uh, mate. No. Oh, oh. Mate, uh, no. Wait. No, I'm, I'm using the the English, U.S. English keyboard. I have three okay. keyboards, U.S. English, Italian, and Emoji. That, that's what I have in my keyboard configuration. Was that Australian, Stephen? It's hard to say. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be. Are Australians known for saying "hello, hello, mate"? mate? Yeah. Are you, do you not mean "g'day," Stephen? I think that's what you're looking for. Mm, I think that's Switzerland. It's some other <laughs> Switzerland. 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 Well, where do you think g'day. Switzerland is? It's hard to say. Okay. Um, what I heard from reputable people mm. is that so Craig. this. <laughs> Yeah, I was just t- texting. It's like, Craig, come on, dude. Take it, come take it to Craig's oh, house. Remember that? Um, oh, my God. That. Yeah, I just take it over to Craig's house. Who said that? Eddie was Q. It- Eddie? Mm. I mean, it's always Eddie. Just drives things. it over. If he has a problem, just drives it over to Craig's house. But anyway, I heard from, again, reputable people that this bug is due to, if you're doing what I do, which is set a, a U.S. region, um, but then in settings, switch the first day of the week to Monday. Mm. At least that's 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 what they told me. And this is what I do, right? I, I live in Europe and I don't want to take any feedback on this, but the correct first day of the week is Monday, not Sunday. No, there is no argument about this. It doesn't make any sense that that the weekend I've lived I've lived this life, so I'm worthy to take it again. Like it makes absolutely zero sense that the week would start on Yeah. Sunday. It doesn't. It starts on Monday. Like you're in the weekend. Like Sunday is part of the weekend, not the weekend start. Like it's not called that. I think Monday it, is the start first day of the week. You know, you rest on Sunday, 
and by definition it's the weekend like when people talk to each other they're like hey what are you doing this weekend and they're like oh saturday we're going out for dinner and sunday therefore it's the weekend yes. so anyway no like when people say what are you doing this weekend they don't mean just saturday yeah steven where do you fall on this it's not popular with people on kickstarter but uh sunday sunday first Sun, why do you, okay why is sunday the first that's day that's how that's how most calendars in america no, are no i know but it's wrong why is sunday the first day of the week i guess it's what the calendar says yeah but like what is the logic in living your life that way i mean i agree with you the the sarah uh, sunday is the last day it's the seventh day it's the day of rest i agree with all that but i can't fight everyone in america over this you can fight big calendar I am big calendar, son, and <laughs> I couldn't you find are it. Big calendar. Here's a here's a thing. While we're talking about this, well, two things. One, I have my all my devices set to American English Sunday, the first day. The fitness app does not respect that. It is. Uh, it always puts it at the end, and it's really frustrating. Secondly, I found the story about Eddie Q and Craig Federighi, and it's better than I remember. Can I just read a little bit from a Macworld article? Of course, please do. Yeah. This is talking about. Uh, this was written by uh, Susie over at MacWorld back in 2016, and they're talking about how everyone at Apple like used their own betas and stuff. Q uh, had a, a new iMac and was going to put the new beta build of OS 10 on it. And this is what uh, the article says. When Q ran into a problem installing a new build of OS X on that iMac, in fact, he could tell as a veteran software tester, is that a Q a veteran software tester? I mean, let's just go with it. Yeah. That the bug might be hard to reproduce. Plus, he was scheduled to take a trip then the very next day. I called Craig up, said, have your guys look at this. I think it would be hard to recreate. He said, sure. So I put the iMac in my car and drove it over to Federighi's house. Q went on his business trip, Federighi's team fixed the problem, and Q got his iMac back when he returned. Kind of like a genius bar for the C-suite. So good. This happened on an episode of The Talk Show okay. back in, in 2016. Um, but Susie had it transcribed. Very good. You know, maybe maybe Federighi can fix it again because German is reporting that Apple took a break from new software to fix bugs on current software. Yeah. For a week. For a week? Which I'm not criticizing. I've seen people criticize this, but like... I mean... Maybe that's what it needs. Like, for it, it's, it's like... Uh, it reminds me of when people sign up for the gym and they go like for a week and then they stop. It's like, yes, I'm, I'm going to get back in shape. And they're like, yes, we're going to fix bugs. But we're going to do it for a week. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get I know, ripped I think in four <laughs> workouts, so I'm done. I just want to go back to the Sunday <laughs> day of the week thing. <laughs> Because oh, yeah. I want to address a piece of feedback <laughs> that we've already gotten in the Discord, which I got a ton the, when I first spoke about this on yeah, an episode of Cortex, so I don't even know how long ago, which is, uh, Zach said, um, bookends, you have one at either side. That's a great argument. We're not talking about bookends. We're talking about the weekend. Damn, like, just be son! Just because there's something else. But like, do you know what is in the word weekend? End. End. What's a bookend? You know what, when you want to put stand-up books and you put something on each side of the yeah, books, like to a stop G, like a G four cube over. and a HomePod, for instance. Yeah, who, but who buys we only books? put we only put bookends on each side of a book because otherwise they would fall over. 
the, the Monday to Friday will not fall over if we put like, oh, no. Saturday and Sunday oh, no, at the end. My Monday, it tripped and fell. <laughs> Whoa! My Monday <laughs> fell over. Like that's bookends are a structure of books needing to stand up. Like, but that's all it is, right? Like we don't have to take that and put it onto the word weekend just because it has end in it. Like that's mm. not. You know, we can't just be like, oh, well, that makes sense. No, that doesn't make sense. And if your argument is Sunday and Saturday are on either side of the week because of bookends, I really need you to take a long look inside at the mirror. Or like, really think about that as, a, as an excuse for something. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, you can say for a million reasons for why Sunday is the first day of the week, but just because bookends, like, no, that's not the reason. So... Monday is the first day of the week. Saturday and Sunday are the last two days of the week. The weekend. I don't even remember why this came up, but I mean, important. while we're at it, do you want to talk about the metric system? Do you want to talk about Fahrenheit? Anything uh, else? Fahrenheit is like just just too complicated. It, it just doesn't make any sense. It feels completely arbitrary. Hmm. Like wow. you know, um, as to what's cold and what's hot. Please what send all feedback to Casey Liss at Mastodon.social. Was there anything else you wanted my take on, Federico, or do you want to move on? Sure. I mean, um, ideal dinner time. Uh, I would say the ideal dinner time is probably like 8, 9 p.m. You're doing this to yourself, by the way. I'm just yeah, provoking yeah. you. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah no, I'm good. Now. I mean, like, I'm already so far in, right, okay. that, like, I'm yeah, yeah. shielded now. Like, okay. my weekend thought has shielded me from anything else. So, like, I can say anything at this point. And so people are so enraged that they can't even hear it. It's like ringing in their ears, you know? Well, uh, thank you for doing for doing this, Mike. Sebastian wrote in, I just bought a 14-inch MacBook Pro to hook up to a studio display all day long. This is my exact setup. How do you manage battery life considering it's plugged in all day? My understanding is that plugging the computer in to power all the time degrades the battery. Uh, so there's a link in the show notes. Apple has this really comprehensive batteries like section of pages on its website, apple.com slash batteries. And there's a, a section in here about may, uh, maximizing battery life and lifespan. Uh, there's some tips for iPods on here. So maybe they could update this uh, a little bit. But well, no, it has never been more important to effectively manage the battery of an iPod than right now. That's true, actually. That's a really good point. And, and what it boils down to is turning on optimized battery charging. So this has been around since macOS Big Sur, and it's on iOS and watchOS as well. And basically, this is the technology that monitors your da your daily charging routine, and it may hold it off 100% until it thinks that you need to use it. So the most common use case of this is your iPhone, right? Say you wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning unexpectedly, your phone may only be at 80%, and it's going to do the, the last 20% right before your alarm your alarm goes off. On a Mac that's always plugged in, uh, it will it will actually like run down the battery in the background to 80% and hold it there if it needs to. It has a lot of tools to do this. And for years, Apple has also had a technology in, in its notebooks where once the battery is fully charged, it doesn't keep putting power into it, which is also bad for batteries. So the system is basically going to take care of itself. And in reality, at least I have found this to be the case for me, even though my MacBook Pro is hooked up to a studio display and a Thunderbolt dock and everything else, I still use it as a notebook pretty often, right? I'll eject the drives and unplug it and use it in the house or take it somewhere. And so it does get some cycles. Um, in fact, since buying my M2 Pro MacBook Pro, 
Uh, I've got 59 cycles on it, which is not a ton, but it's more. It's a couple a week, um, and, and I'm still at 98% max capacity. So I'm not worrying about it. Uh, I let the system kind of take care of itself, and uh, I don't think it's something to to stay up at night about over anymore. It used to be. It used to be a big problem, but over the years, Apple has really uh, addressed it in a bunch of different ways. I have two things in this. One, uh, something I feel like I've found anyway, because I do the same, right? Like I plug my MacBook Air into a studio display. Sometimes you will open your laptop when it's not plugged in and be like, oh, it's dead, or oh, the battery's really low. And I think that that is a symptom of this because like it being plugged in doesn't mean it's always charging. And I think sometimes... You've unplugged your laptop, you know, maybe unexpectedly halfway through a day and gone home or whatever, and you were only at like 30% battery life or something like that is what I think mm-hmm. is going on because it, it seems pretty random to me. Like I'll be at home on the weekend and I'll open my laptop and sometimes it's okay and sometimes it's dead. The other thing is in 2023, we should not still need to be ejecting drives. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. We shouldn't have to still be doing that. Like computers should have worked this one out. Because you know what's never happened to me if I've gotten that warning that I've had any problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like, come on, come Especially on. Especially in the days of APFS, like, it should be okay. We shouldn't have to be ejecting drives anymore. Federico, do you eject drives frequently? Uh, not frequently. Um, he doesn't have any drives plugged in. This is what I'm wondering. I do it on Windows because I, I think you're supposed to do it on Windows. Um, sometimes I forget and I always feel bad about it. Like, oh no, everything's going to break now and it never happened. Um, so I don't know, it feels like, I think it's like this conspiracy that you're supposed to eject drives yeah. for some reason. Um, it's one of those things that the government wants us to do. Wow, well, you you're know? right, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. I agree. That's, we're really like just getting to the truth of it all today. Yeah. It's good. This is your final call for the Relay FM holiday t-shirt. It looks awesome. It's done in the style of like an ugly holiday sweater. Um, it's got uh, snowflakes and iPods and RSS icons. It's really cool. You can get it in a t-shirt or a sweatshirt or a tank top again if it's hot where you are in the holidays. Uh, the sale ends on the 13th. So this is the last warning you get on Connected. Go go check it out. It's I've got one. I'm really happy with it. I ordered another one. I recommend the the two greens. I think the greens are really nice, but you can also do blue or brown or black. Go uh, go check it out. What color did you order, Mike? Oh, uh, green. I, I only went sweatshirt though. Like to me, this is like this is a sweatshirt product. So I went with the the forest green sweatshirt. Yes. Because yes. to me, it's like ugly sweater, you know. Yeah. So that's I want I want sweatshirts. I think it's kind of fun to like wear this in June. You know, like kind of ironically, maybe. Uh, I wouldn't do that, but. I'm not going to stop you from doing it. Okay, know? that's good. You could wear it on the weekend. Whatever day that ends up being, you know? Whenever that Wednesday. is. <laughs> Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Uh, actually, Gray does that, doesn't he? Weekend Wednesday? Yeah, he made a whole video about it. I have a question for the audience, mostly, I think. This might be one of these crowdsource things. I'm looking for a budgeting app, but I want something... Simple. What I'm hoping exists, right? Because I've started looking for these things and they're all so complicated. They want my bank account login information. Uh, They want everything about my life and they're really complicated systems. I'm convinced that somewhere out there is like a really simple, well-made, indie-developed budgeting app, but I just don't know what it is. So I am putting out to the world 
please tell me your budgeting app if you use one and go to connectedfeedback.com and send it in there and I can take a look at them and I'll appreciate it. Yeah, let us know. Or maybe you develop one. One, two, three budget application. One, two, three money. One, two, three money. Yeah. <laughs> One, two, three help me. My wallet is yeah. very sick. Uh, go to connectedfeedback.com and you can send in uh, your suggestions for things that you like and use. Please. And I appreciate it. This week, Apple updated Logic Pro and Final Cut Pro. There was also a Final Cut event on Apple's campus, which some of our friends got to go to. Seemed really cool. The Logic stuff is interesting. I think the biggest thing is a new set of tools for uh, mastering. So you can have basically all of your audio analyzed and make like really fine detailed changes on its way out the door. But like most Logic stuff, the three of us are not super well equipped to talk about it because we use it for podcasting and we use about 2% of what Logic can do. But if you're into music, that seems really cool. And over in Final Cut Pro, some nice changes, especially for Apple Silicon Macs, uh, even faster exports. And there are some new tools for organizing uh, your timeline. And some of these changes are on the Mac, some are on the iPad, some are both. I think for me, the the biggest thing here is I'm glad that the iPad versions are getting updates because uh, I don't know how popular they are, but I'm glad that they are getting updates in step, you know, to a degree with the Mac versions. That is encouraging to me. My favorite feature from the new Final Cut stuff, like just because it's like a thing I can understand and a thing that I've often wondered why it doesn't do. Um, now, when you're playing back a video, the timeline will be kept like accurate of what's playing. Mm, yeah, Logic can do that too. Logic does do that, which is why I'm always surprised when Final Cut doesn't, doesn't. do that. <laughs> uh-huh. And so they are now doing that. So as you're watching a video, the timeline will move along and keep like at speed with it or whatever. I can't think of the right phrase to use, but I think you know what I'm getting at. The time, the playhead will scroll across the timeline as it's actually playing. And yeah. when it gets to the end of it, the timeline will move over. Yeah. It's, it's nice in Logic if you're listening to something in the background and then you hear something you need to fix that the playhead and the it's all where you expect it to be. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I was, I've was i always been surprised that wasn't in Final Cut. Well, it is now. It is now! I was sort of disappointed to see, but also not really surprised, uh, to see that there's still no support whatsoever for recording like multiple inputs on the iPad using Logic. We, and I'm disappointed, but not surprised, given that this is like a major uh, sort of omission from the system. And so whenever that feature will come, if it will ever come, I'm sure it will depend on some like system level addition to iPadOS, but still every time there's like a, a big update to Logic on the iPad, I still think about it like how nice would it be to, you know, to be able even if I don't use Logic as a as an editor, but even just to record multiple inputs at the same time. Yeah. And so yeah, that's always kind of disappointing but not fully surprising at this point. This episode of Connected is brought to you by ExpressVPN. It's important to find a VPN that you can trust. There are tons of them out there, but the reason I use ExpressVPN and the reason we have them as a sponsor is that they're really good because they don't log your activity online. Lots of cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data back to advertisers, but ExpressVPN doesn't do this. They've even developed new technology called Trusted Server that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data. And ExpressVPN is fast. 
It uses Lightway, which is a new VPN protocol that they've engineered to make user speeds faster than ever. If you've tried other VPNs, you'll know they can sometimes slow down your connection, like you're trying to stream something and you get weird buffering and artifacting. But ExpressVPN is always blazing fast and it's super easy to use. You don't need any technical skills. You just fire up the app and tap one button to connect. Kids, grandparents, tech savvy or not can use it. Mashable, The Verge, and many other tech journals have rated ExpressVPN as the number one VPN in the world. I've been using ExpressVPN for years, and things I used before it, the speed was always the issue. Trying just to do regular browsing was okay, but the second I needed to upload or download a big file for work or try to stream something, it would choke, and ExpressVPN totally solves that problem. So go protect yourself with a VPN that I use and trust. Go to expressvpn.com connected. Go there today and you will get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com connected to learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of the show and Relay FM. Apple has no plans for a 27-inch iMac with Apple Silicon. It's a statement that Apple gave while uh, two reviewers uh, as part of the iMac review, and we'll touch on the iMac and MacBook Pro reviews in a bit, but it's kind of a lot of what um, you already know. But I think maybe this is honestly the most interesting part of it all. It's an interesting statement for Apple to make and to make so cleanly. I think they tried to hint at it, right, during the like tried to make it clear, I think, during the presentation, but now have had to like double down on it. But even now there's still like tinfoil hat, right? Like, oh, a 27 inch? Who knows? I mean, but (laughs) I know what I feel. I feel from reading your article, Stephen, that you also kind of feel what I feel, which is like the idea of a bigger iMac is like dead for now. I think so. Um, And like, it's not that they have a secret 30 inch that they're getting ready to do and they're going to like trick us. There have been rumors that Apple was playing with the idea, and I believe that. Like, two things can be true at once. German's reporting that a larger than 27-inch iMac was worked on on and off in the past, and we're never going to see it, <laughs> right? I, I think it makes, while it stings, because a lot of people like the big all-in-one, and I, I wrote this piece uh, earlier this week outlining, like, the, the iMac's progression from consumer desktop to, like, professional workstation— and now Apple has like ripped it back into the consumer landscape. And that kind of stinks if you like using a big iMac. And, you know, I used a 5K iMac for years. I used an iMac Pro for years. I love the form factor, but I understand where Apple's coming from. And I think it's clear that the way forward, at least for now, is in Apple's mind a studio display. And some combination of MacBook Pro, Mac Mini, Mac Studio, Mac Pro. Like, kind of pick which one meets your needs. And there's a lot of upside to that, right? The upside that the display could serve you across multiple computers. Mine's already done it. I had a Mac Studio hooked up. Now I have a MacBook Pro. Uh, Very often, the screen would still be good, but the computer age out. I mean, our friend Jason Snell... If you watch videos of him on the upgrade social channels, there's an iMac Pro on the shelf behind him. <laughs> like yep. that screen's incredible. That computer was incredible, but they're married together forever. And I really like what he said in his review about target display mode 
that could be an escape hatch for this, but that doesn't seem to be the direction they're going. And so we're kind of in this place, but I'm glad Apple came out and said it. They've been hinting at it for a long time. You mentioned uh, John Turnus. He said it's uh, about the 24 inch. It's the perfect size and resolution. It's the perfect size and resolution, both for the 4k and 5k like replacements. The, the Mac studio was compared to the high end iMac when it was introduced, like Apple's been building this case for a while, but clearly they thought we just got to come out and say it. So they have. I don't really feel much for it. I'm like just happy to know it. You know, I'm not like sad about it or whatever, you know, it's just like, this is good information to have. I'm a little sad because I, I, I liked the form factor, but also... I liked it when I had it, but I don't want it or need it now. Yeah, I think I think overall, like people have more options now. And that's a good thing. And this is just a a reflection of kind of where they are as a as a line, you know, as a, as a whole as a whole strategy. I don't know. It, it does feel the iMac like it's the ideal size for an all-in-one computer, and there's already plenty of configurations that you can get. I don't know. I feel like if you want to go bigger, you're the type of user who probably are not like if you want a bigger iMac chances are pretty good you're the type of user who has a more complex setup than an iMac anyway I don't know could be wrong just my perspective um I mean yeah I mean I you know having both the 5k and the iMac Pro and and now using a notebook with a serial display like it is nice that I have more flexibility now that if I want to change out this computer the rest of my setup can stay the same and I just drop in a new laptop or a Mac studio or whatever it may be and that is pretty nice. And it gives me a little bit more future proofing, I feel like, in my setup, where before, when I moved from an iMac to an iMac Pro or the iMac Pro to the Mac Pro, it's like, oh, I got to like rebuild everything. Like my whole desk is coming apart. Everything is changing. And this kind of gets away from that. And I think, I think that's good. I wonder really if like the, the time of all in ones is over, like mm. anyway. I I love the iMac, like the twenty four inch iMac. Mm-hmm. I don't. I really love it. Stephen loves it a surprising amount. I'll read from your article. I think the twenty four inch iMac will go down in history as one of the most special computers Apple has ever made, earning a right to sit next to my G four Cube and twentieth anniversary Mac. I love it. I don't know if I love it that much. Like <laughs> the orange speaks to me. <laughs> it clearly does. Like I love my. I love the iMac. Like I, I. I think it is a fantastic design and it's super fun and it's like the the perfected version of that kind of machine that Apple had been making for like a decade or more. Like the the all in one. You know, since they went to the polycarbonate. I mean, here's the thing: if the iMac did not exist today, there's no way Apple would make it. Good point. Yes. Right. There's no way that they would go from no all in one to, hey, here's this thing. We put the computer and display together. The concept is an old one and they've continued to make it because the iMac has great heritage. And I think it is popular in a lot of areas of their market, but it is distinctly a product from a different time. And especially in the era of Apple Silicon, when you can get a MacBook Pro that can do everything you need and more, it is. It doesn't make as much sense as it once did. And and if you wanted it, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I think that's how it is. Yeah, I mean, but the the, the 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 realistic point is if you wanted it, you will be happy with a studio display and something else. Like, you will. Like, like, why, you know, like, I would just say, like, why would you 
why do you really need it all to be one? Hmm. Like you might want that, but you don't need that. And you will get you. I believe that you will have a longer and better computer life with these component parts as opposed to the only one. I think so too. And I think it's made a little bit harder because the 24 inch is so cool. Like Jason, I think said in his review, like I know he said it to us while we're just talking about it. I wish I had a place for it in my life. Like I, I wish the same thing. I wish I had a place for the iMac in my household or in my office somewhere. Cause I think it is cool and fun. And that, that makes us a little feel a little bit worse. I think maybe if they had not redesigned it so effectively that it'd be a little, little easier to let go of, but they didn't. And so a lot of us look at it and be like, dang, that's a cool Mac, but it just doesn't fit anywhere for me. Are you saying that for a Mac to have a, to like to be in your studio, it needs to have a quote place? I don't, I feel personally attacked. <laughs> personally mean, attacked. You have a lot of Macs in that studio. Yeah, but they're all old, you know, a, a new computer. Okay, this isn't old enough yet? Right, Not old enough right, yet. Right, right, in a few years, right, right. you know, I can I can round up all the M1s, as we talked about. What is the about. newest Mac in your collection? Probably the trash can, right? No, I have a Touch Bar MacBook Pro. Okay. So that's, I think it's a 2016 or 2017, but that computer is garbage, so... <laughs> I don't know if it actually counts as collectible. Why do you have, was that was that yours? Like why? Do no, you have that? it was someone's. They were using and they replaced it with something else. And they were like, "Do you want this?" And I was like, "Sure." And then you know, I wiped it and okay, put it on the shelf. And now you have it. No, I have it. The keyboard's real bad. Touch bar though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Woo! No, 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 not great. Do you have any thoughts that you would like to share uh, on the MacBook Pro and iMac reviews? Yeah, I mean, we'll link to all of Jason's stuff. I think y'all did a really uh, good job on Upgrade this week talking through them. I think in a lot of ways, the iMac is easy because it's what we came to expect. And the biggest iMac news by far in this cycle is the no 27-inch bit. Like, (laughs) the reviews, like, yeah, it's what we had, but it's much faster. And I'm glad they've continued down that road. I think it proves that they did a good job redesigning it. The MacBook Pro is definitely the more interesting of the, the two, the base M3 seems like a, a reasonable way to go if you don't have the budget for something uh, more nicely specced. I agree with Jason with what he said about once you start specking up, you should just go to the Pro because it's not that much more money and you get extra Thunderbolt port and more displays out and all that stuff. I'm just I'm just excited about Apple Silicon and their continual uh, this continued upgrade path that they've proven that they can make these things faster and faster year over year. And we, you know, we are now in the phase of Apple Silicon. Like, yes, it is not the jump it was from Intel to Apple Silicon. That's a one-time thing. But now they've proven three times in a row, or I guess two times in a row, the M2 and the M3, that they can make meaningful updates over time. And I think it's super interesting, their focus on the GPU architecture this time with the memory stuff they're doing, and the, the dynamic caching, I think, is what they're calling it. But that they have control of the whole stack now means they can do these different things. And it kind of opened my mind to the possibility of like, well, what if, you know, an M4 and M5 at some point in the future, like, hey, this is the one that we really worked on uh, the neural network stuff, if that becomes increasingly important. Or this is the year that, hey, we really spend a lot of time and effort in our silicon to do some new thing that you know we haven't thought of yet. 
at this point. And that's exciting. When they were using Intel parts and AMD parts and NVIDIA parts before that, they were limited in what they could do. And you saw at the end of the Intel era, they're doing the T1 and the T2 chip to like shoehorn functionality into the system. And mm. now that they control all of it, clearly they they said, you know, years ago, the M3 generation, is go- we're going to do this GPU thing. We're really going to uh, go after this in a new way. And to me, that's the most exciting thing about the M3 line. Not that I need the GPU performance. I certainly don't. But the fact that Apple can spend time in select areas and like move the ball forward in different areas at different rates is just really exciting. And I'm just as enthusiastic about this processor transition as I was three years ago because they keep they keep delivering. And boy, the M3 Ultra is just going to be bonkers when it comes it's out. Great. I can't wait. Yeah, man. Uh, I think I actually kind of look forward to, to this future you've proposed that I hadn't really thought about yet. Like, basically... Uh, I don't want to have to keep thinking about speed as being the the thing, right? Just like raw processor speed. Because mm-hmm. like, it's kind of not that exciting, I think. Like ultimately, um, it's kind of more what the chips can do, I think, which is more interesting. And also over time, like those, the speed gains will get smaller and smaller unless they brute force it. Like it feels like they're having to do a little bit of at the moment to kind of get some speed gains. Is that we'll just put more cores in there. But the idea of like, hey, this chip does this very specific thing. And like, I would say that the graphics stuff this time is the thing that's the most interesting to me, which Mm -hmm. is like, we were able to build some specific technology to make gaming more possible on the Mac than it's maybe been in any of its modern time, right? Like Mm -hmm. there there are like actual legit, triple a games that run well on the mac now that is just weird because it just feels like it was never going to be possible yeah but like we are in that world now because they spent a bunch of time working on gpu stuff and like targeted ray tracing as a thing like they they've they specifically targeted that exactly and the ultra which obviously will be a leading indicator or whatever right like it's going to be the most powerful but that has the potential to be powerful as as powerful as maybe some previous gen Nvidia cards, which is madness if that's true. So I look forward to to the M3 Ultra because it could be it could be some really cool stuff, and then maybe Federico can can give up his uh, gaming PC, except for the fact that Windows is still needed <laughs> for games. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing, right? You have the OS, you have Metal, right? Not. All game engines or developers want to deal with with like Apple's unusual API stack. Uh, For you, Mike, I mean, I I know we've talked about you wanting to maybe move to uh, a Mac studio. I think you said this basically locks you in for the M3, like you're not interested in the M2 generation at this point for that machine. Uh, I just think that it it seems silly right now to to buy an M2 Max Mac studio. Like I, I just think that. I would come to regret that when yeah. I my M1 Max is is fine, right? And so I think that I would buy it and then be really sad that I bought it. <laughs> so I might as well just wait now because it mm-hmm. will happen eventually, even if it's another year. But like I can wait another year because really what I want to do, I'm not. I don't care so much about the chip, but I care about the form factor. Like I, I want to get away from having a laptop as a desktop and just have a desktop as a desktop right. for, for my recording and like production machine. But now I'm kind of like, well, 
I might as well wait a little yeah. bit longer, get the more powerful chip, and then have a longer life from it. Is kind of what I'm thinking. So I'm just going to wait it out a little bit longer. And I don't think it'll be a year. I mean, I, I would expect sometime early 24, we see some other M3 machines. Like they didn't do anything with the Mac Mini or the Mac Studio or the Mac Pro. And I guess some of that depends on when the Ultra is ready. But I don't think I don't think we're going to be talking in November next year about, oh, they finally brought the M3 to the studio. I think overall, the M2 generation will be cut short by this for whatever reason. Like my M2 Pro MacBook Pro was on sale less than like 10 months. And, you know, it's like, oh, that is weird. And it kind of makes it this like weird relic of this generation that was that was shorter than the others. Yeah. And, and who knows why that happened. But I suspect Apple wants to get, you know, the M3 stuff rolled out to to the rest of the line. And I don't know why the Mac Mini didn't get it, but obviously the studio is waiting is waiting on the Ultra. I reckon the, the Mac Mini and the iMac will be on two-year cycles. It, it definitely definitely could be. And I think that's fine for both of those machines. It's a little weird for the, the M2 Pro Mac Mini, but I think it's mostly okay. You know, those are sort of the lower-end desktops. Uh, I do think they want to get the M3 into the MacBook Air. I don't know why they would hold that back. It's the most popular Mac. They sell more than anything else. I don't know why you would hamstring that machine. I mean, there was like this theory floating around that maybe we even talked about it, or maybe I talked with the, with John on App Stories, but like, could they leave the MacBook Air on the M2 and they distinguish the Air and the Pro a little bit more? And I just, I don't see that being the smart move. I think... I think they finally fixed the MacBook Air, right? It was bad for a long time and people put up with it and then they had to like bring it back in 2018 with the retina display and all that stuff. Like the MacBook Air is in such a good place. Why would you hamstring it now? Like why would you give up some of the gains you've made in that product line? I think that, that but there are two there are two things, right? You have strategy and you have availability. True. And you know, like you said about like, oh, there's just 10 months between these two chips. Well, I think this is that thing that just because Apple aren't reliant on Intel doesn't mean that they're not reliant on production issues. Yeah. Right? Like that was what the, Intel wasn't just like, we don't want to make the chips. Yeah. They just couldn't. Like mm-hmm. they were struggling to to make the advancements necessary. And now their eggs are in the TSMC basket. Yeah. Or like or whatever it is. Right. Like whatever, you know, who, whatever or whoever could be the delay. Apple could be the delay. Right. Like they might be struggling to get the design the way that they exactly want it to be or whatever. Right. And so there is a I could see a possibility where it's not like they would necessarily want to keep the MacBook Air on M2 but they might need to. I don't know. Could be. I mean, yeah, it could be a, a simple game of we can't make as many of them as we need right now. And if it is the most popular computer, which we know it is, well, they need the most for them. Yeah, exactly. And so if they haven't got the yield that they need, then maybe maybe they do need to. And, and so like, I just feel like the, the idea that it's all going to be clean now because it's Apple Silicon, I, I don't think it will be necessarily as, as reliable as that thought that that yeah. this would just be simple now that apple controls it i'm sure it will be better but you could still end up falling into these 
weird little pockets of things that will occur just because of the way that production works. And, and I'm sure they don't love that, right? I'm sure Apple wished they could do exactly what they wanted, but even with all their money and all their power, you are limited by outside factors. That's a really good point. Yeah. And I think yep. the 15-inch M2 Air is like a weird side effect of that. Like, it was one year after the 13-inch that we all love and like uh, kind of a weird machine. And maybe maybe it was a stopgap, right, until they could have enough M3s on the shelf to do this. I don't know. But there are untold things we can point at and be like, why is it this way? Right? Like, why have AirPods Max not been updated? Yeah, yeah well, yeah. <laughs> why did the HomePod sit there for so long? You know, like, and then there was, and then there was another one, right? There, these things happen all the time, like all the time. It, it can't be as clear as we want it to be, and it's not as clear as Apple would want it to be because that is just the realities of large-scale manufacture. So, did any of us order anything? Yes. What? What? <laughs> no, he's he's trolling. He's trolling. You got me excited. I have a new Thunderbolt dock. Oh, okay. That's not. This, you've, you've kind of gone outside of the remit of the question. Like, I have also ordered things on Amazon in the past month. I bought some groceries yesterday, but it's not, who cares, you know? I ordered it, I ordered it from the OTJ store. Nice. Uh, my favorite shop in America. This is actually part of um, uh, a connected or remastered listener. I don't remember. Um, I think a remastered listener sent, us, uh, sent me this incredible email about a custom version of the Asus ROG Ally they did with a Thunderbolt dock strapped to the back of the console. Actually, it was a Steam Deck. They attached with Velcro a very slim Thunderbolt dock to the back of the Steam Deck. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I kind of want to try it myself. Uh, so I asked John, can you buy this dock for me? And he did, and he shipped it to me. And then I realized I cannot attach this to the back of the ROG Ally because the ROG Ally has uh, f- vents for airflow. Uh, but I realized, <laughs> you know, this, do- this dock is actually pretty sweet and much, much more compact than my CalBGT S4. So that's what I'm using now. It's what the is plug- this dock? It's the pluggable thunderbolt dock it's only sold in america for some reason it's very very compact it looks like an ssd it's really really small as an external power supply unit of course uh all thunderbolt docks have uh, but it's incredible so that's what i ordered not a macbook i did not order a uh, a macbook either i'm hanging on to my m2 pro macbook pro the 14 inch uh at least until the uh the m4 i mean I, i'm really happy with this machine it was also very expensive. Uh, I'm not looking forward to spending that sort of money again. But it did give me uh, sort of a chance to reflect on like how my one Mac lifestyle is going. And our friend Chance Miller uh, is actually getting rid of his Mac Studio and MacBook Air, just going to a 14-inch in space black. And he says in his article that it was inspired by me. So if he hates it, he's going to send me an invoice for any financial loss he incurs. I do not accept that invoice. Just for the record, I will not be paying that. Chance is a hater. To me? No, on the MacBook Air. Like, Mm. two days before this, he's like, the MacBook Air is the best Mac of all time. And then he's like, oh, forget that. I bought a MacBook Pro. I think he was swayed by the space black. What, the really dark gray? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's not as dark as the... the... Chance enjoys really dark gray. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? So, yeah. So, uh, I've been very happy with my machine. It's served me very well since getting it, and it will continue to serve me well for the foreseeable future. I have one last thing I would like to mention before we move on. Okay. Which is just in relation to Federico's dock purchase. Something that I have noticed recently that is the fundamental difference between Federico and myself. 
And I've noticed this through listening to this and through like listening to app stories and all these kinds of things. Okay. Federico is way more trusting than me of technology from companies he's never heard of. Before. Yes. Dude, yes. Well, pluggable is kind of popular. Yeah, but you're like, so there's this gaming phone and and you know what I mean? Like there's I've heard of this gaming phone and I've bought an adapter. Dude, that adapter is I don't that adapter is I incredible. I do not doubt you, right? Like I'm sure it works great and lots of other people use it and it works great. But like I'm just like, look, everybody knows Mike's worried about things catching on fire. I don't know why I am the way that I am, but I just am. And so, like, for this reason, I'm, like, really hesitant about this, like, anything that can, like, has power related to it. And, yeah. What do you, what do you feel about buying glasses with displays in them that you put on your face powered by USB-C from a company you've never heard of? Is that something you would do, Mike? I Hypothetically, if we had a friend who was into that for some reason? <laughs> Well, I mean, I did look at when Federico was originally talking about it. I looked at the web page and I was like, mm. hmm. and then I backed away. So I, I think I would do it, but I just didn't want to. I don't have a hard and fast rule to this thing, but it's just like a general thing. And nor, nor am I saying, I just want to make this completely clear to Federico and everybody else. I am not saying that Federico is doing something wrong or bad or strange. It is just a difference between the two of us that I have noticed that that like Federico is is just more willing to try than I am. I'm I'm like I don't trust anything. I was just on the X Real website and they have something like there are stickers that you can change the color of your X Real glasses. That this is new apparently. Navy. Well, are, are they stickers blue. or are they like little? They like clip-on. I think they're like little plastic uh, clip-on pieces. It's hard to say. When they announced the X Real Air Two, they also had this as a thing that you could. I think you could I think do they're to, actual to stickers. But oh, cool. Anyways, uh, yeah, batteries. Are they glow in the dark. I've been hearing glow in the dark stickers are all the rage. <laughs> yeah, they're also amazing. I put glow in the dark stickers on my Magic Keyboard, and now I can see it keycaps at night when i'm using how long the does it last for the glow in the dark enough to fall asleep yeah okay. you know, a couple of hours for sure just uh, imagine apple apple if you're listening this man put glow yes. in the dark stickers on your keyboard because you yes. won't make a backlit version just yes. think about how that makes you feel apple it doesn't feel good does it it doesn't feel good to us either and also apple Maybe he'll send you a picture of these glow-in-the-dark stickers, and you'll see that every single one of them is just a, in a different angle. And then, then think about how you feel. It gives a bit of charm to the whole thing, <laughs> I think. Yeah, you know all, what? All the keys are a little crooked. And, and it's, it's like, you know, you know, and you know what I appreciate about that? And I feel like I would go this way too. I would try, and then like I get a couple in and be like, Oh, forget it. I'm never gonna do this right, and there'll always be like the one that's crooked. So I might as well just just yeah. just see where the chips exactly. Land, you know? Fourteen stickers on a laptop looks better than three stickers on a laptop. Look, you look. You may think you may think my setup is complicated, but I'm re I'm living a life over here. I just have my iPad and I have my Thunderbolt hubs and docks, and I got my USB cables. And every week there's a new cable. I'm like, ooh, new cable, and I try the new cable. Every, yeah, every week there's a new cable. Uh, and and I and I got my glasses, and I don't bother my my girlfriend sleeping at night with the glass. I'm having the time of my life over here. And I, as a consumer of your, a voracious consumer of your content, appreciate it. 
you know? I mean, what's the what's the alternative? Like, just become the guy who talks about a single topic. It's like, yeah, Macintosh. Who wants that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> back in the day, we had Aqua UI. Yeah, sure. Grandpa Who wants that guy? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I hear there's a market for it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on, please. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Backblaze. Backblaze are the folks looking after your digital data. With their unlimited computer backup for Macs, PCs, and businesses that starts at just $9 a month. You can back up all your data with Backblaze. Documents, music, photos, videos, drawings, contacts, contracts, both projects, and so much more. And you can easily protect business data through a centrally managed set of administration tools. But it's not just about protecting you from data loss. Sometimes you need to access a file when you're out and about. And the Backblaze mobile apps for iOS and Android make it super easy to access all of your backed up files from anywhere. They even have a restore by mail option. So if something really wild happens, Backblaze will ship you a hard drive with all your data on it. Once you've restored your documents, you send the hard drive back to them for a full refund. Plus, you never have to worry about accidentally deleting a file again because Backblaze offers a free one-year file retention or you can upgrade to have deleted files retained forever. It's really a weight off your mind knowing that your stuff is just handled correctly. Backblaze has restored over 55 billion with a B, 55 billion files for their customers. They really know what they're doing. I've run Backblaze forever. It is one of the first things I put on a new machine because even though I'm diligent with Time Machine and, and other backup strategies, I want my data safe and sound off-site. If your data is just backed up next to your computer and an asteroid hits your office, uh, you're probably gonna lose both of them. And Backblaze makes your data safe and secure elsewhere. And they are so good at this. The Mac app is so good. Their restoration tools are so good. Go check it out. You can get a free, fully featured, no credit card required, 15-day trial at backblaze.com connected. And if you own a business, check out the business backup item in their site navigation to start backing up your business's data. Backblaze is recommended by the New York Times, Inc. Magazine, Macworld, PC World, LifeWire, Wire, Tom's Guide, 9to5Mac, and many more. And the Connected Podcast. And the Connected Relay Podcast. FM. The same footing as the New York Times. I, well, I'm putting this on that. So don't be that person who forgets to back up their important files. Let Backblaze get your back. Sign up for that 15-day free trial. No credit card is required. Sign up at Backblaze. B-A-C-K-B-L-A-Z-E, backblaze.com slash connected for your fully featured 15-day free trial. Go there, check it out, and start protecting yourself from potential data disasters. Thanks to Backblaze for saving us from data disasters and for their support of the show. We are reaching back into history, and we are roasting ourselves and each other from the year 2014. We're oh. approaching 10 years. Oh, the good old days. On the ages of these home screens. 
I don't know why this image reappeared again, but it did. Because I found it in I found it in Dropbox and right. okay. did it for the hashtag engagement. And you posted it on the connected Mastodon account. Mm-hmm. And this came up because John then sent it to our group thread and he made a comment about it. And I was like, oh, this could be a fun thing to look at in the future. So I proposed that we take a look at these home screens and roast each other's life choices from 10 years ago. Yeah. I would like to make an overall, uh, just like a, a two-for-one roast on YouTube, if that's okay, to begin, and then we can maybe uh, go... That you're uh, on the big phone and we're not? Well, that's part of it. The other thing is that you two were in I Need Somewhere to Swipe Club, and you had the empty row at the bottom. Like, oh, how could I possibly swipe to the next screen without an empty oh, row at the bottom of my, my home screen? My thumb but doesn't know where to go. Yeah. My thumb, I'll accidentally open too many apps if I don't have a an empty mm. bottom row. That was my second thing that I wanted to point out. That was a thing that people used to do back in the day. Some people still do it, I think. Sure they do. I'm sure they do. Yeah, the thing that jumped out at me was you were using a Plus phone. So 2014, this would have been the 6S or the 6? No, this would have been the 6. The 6. So you're on the 6 Plus. This was in the very short period of time until it was all agreed that I was right in the decisions that yes. I made. Because I switched both... to the 6 Plus mid-cycle. Yep. You both did. Which my wife was very excited about. Uh, (laughs) no i could tell you nobody was more excited than me you know i was i was living my very this is where mike was right came from is right here right here Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i I have a i have an opening statement okay in in the same spirit as yours mike really it's not a roast to any of us but it's an overall feeling i get that this what is 2014 ios 9 i was 8 i was 9 i was 8 it looks bad like just the 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 and we're not looking yeah. at any apps right just the home screens but the simple thing of like oh if your icon has artwork on it, it needs to be pushed all the way out to the edge like the do icon and the time zones icon why are they pushed out so far you know it's just something about the design language at this time feels a little awkward in hindsight there's also like part of it is when you look at these home screens something doesn't seem right and like part of that is like some of these icons are from a different time, yeah. you know? They've got, like, texture and and shadows, and some of them don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that still looks really weird. Like, the, like the like, day one icon isn't flat. Like, it's got... Yep, the Instagram icon, the Google Maps icon has yeah. still got that, like, oh, the Instagram thing one where it's meant bad. to look like a... Look at that. Like, like meant to... At least the Instagram icon is going for a thing. You know, yeah. like the Google Maps one, they mm. just couldn't be bothered to have updated it, so it's still got that little, like, hey, uh-huh. this stands up from the home screen, you know? The worst one, uh, though, the worst icon on this image is Todoist. Yeah, I don't know what they were doing back yeah. then. That is a, that is a bad icon, bad, but it's bad, just bad. Federico that's using it. Then TV. this was hey, before Mike, I switched. M- Mike was using Wunderlist. Uh, actually, also OmniFocus, <laughs> and um, also Clear, and also Do, and also Silo. Mike had a real problem. Look, look, it is well known that Mike still lives his life this way. Don't it's talk just about a no, don't do third person. Don't do third person. Okay. Well, you know, we were all talking about Mike, so I just continued, Mike. Well, you know. Um, Federico thinks this Please is tell me her. more about what Federico <laughs> thinks. Mike would like to know. Um, the, the thing is, I've forgotten what I was going to say. But, oh, at the time, 
I think, Stephen, me and you were trying Wanderlist as a shared task manager. We were, because this relay was very new uh, in this moment, and we were still doing... So We were both still working jobs, I think, at this point. I definitely was, and you may have been, or maybe you're on your way out of the door at the bank, but it was... Yeah, we, we were figuring this out together. Now, like, we just have a meeting and once a week, and we know what we're doing. obviously see from the fact that Wunderlist was on my home screen. But not mine. <laughs> was that I cared about the tasks of our company. Wow. And you didn't. That's what I can see. What you'll also notice is group me. Group me was huge at the time. We used it as a group chat. That group chat eventually moved to Slack. So like this is also in that in-between period yeah. where we're not sure if the group yeah. chat should go away or yeah. if we should move to Slack, which is also very funny to think about. It is. Um, I have some things on here that I don't recognize, mostly on Federico's. So Okay. Uh, <laughs> Le- let me educate you then. Please. Okay. So um, what was next? With the little oh, tag see, on it. Mike was looking for a for an expense tracker and budgeting app. Next was a really cool one made by mm, I want to say indie developer based on uh, based in Switzerland, Sandro Panisi. Sandro is now making a bunch of widget apps. Uh, I believe some is coming out soon with an interactive widget game. This was a really really cool, <laughs> nice. Looking... Federico, it's still here. It was last updated two years ago. It doesn't look good. <laughs> Well, at the time, <laughs> look at the time. At the time, yeah. at the time, it was it was good. Uh, what else? Well, let me tell you. Recognized? After eight months, I find adding expenses in Next so fast and intuitive. I struggle to use any other expense tracker," said Federico Vitici of MaxStories.net, yeah. which is the very first thing in the App Store description. See? Incredible. See. So, See? Sandra, if you're out there, can you just update the app, make it now again for me? That'd be good, right? Yeah. You can even take the name one two three. <laughs> yeah, you can have it one two three budget tracker. One two three next. Uh, what else, Stephen? <laughs> uh, so I know Pinterest. Pinner was a pinboard app. Uh, mm. Rest in peace, Nuzzle. You have a lot of yeah. reading apps here. Pinner, Nuzzle. Can I ask? Do you know why you were using Pinterest enough then that it went on your home screen? I can think you at some. That? I think at some point I was using Pinterest to save like um, a cool examples of app interfaces. I just uh, sort of, uh, yeah, like like, like a dribble. Mo- yeah, like I was using mm. it like dribble. I think, I think, because then a that few years later, I sort of uh, wiped my Pinterest account. Pinterest yeah. account, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's I think what I was doing at the time. Okay, we were all using or experimenting with Pinboard in 2014, so that makes sense. Um, Quip and Clips. What are mm. I kind of remember? Quip, those? Quip was Quip. a collaborative yes. Google Doc. It was one of the many things yes. we tried to replace Google we Docs. Tried with. Yeah. We tried it. We tried it. It was a, right. it was acquired. I want to say it was acquired by Salesforce. Probably. Maybe. Yep. Salesforce. Yeah, we, uh, we gave yeah. up though. I don't remember why, but like we got to a point like we tried for a long time. And then I think we we're all just like, this is yeah. this isn't better. This yeah. is not yeah. better. Quip was trying to do sort of like Google Docs, Notion before all those tools. It was yeah. pretty cool. That's about the time, around the time when Dropbox Paper also came out, yeah. I think. Um, and Clips was a clipboard manager made by the same developers of Dispatch, the email client, who also happened to be, if I recall correctly, uh, the same developers behind Do. 
So, yeah. Okay. Oh my god, I forgot that. Yeah, dispatch was the. This is an email triage app, e- right? Like no, no, it was, no, it was not the email triage app. That oh. was that was um, hmm, something else. Actually, version two of that app you're thinking about came out a couple of years ago. Um, I don't recall the name. I'll find it. This no, patch I think was, they also did that. No, they? Dispatch was the app with, with all the app integrations before yeah, shortcuts. That's right. They they had all the URL schemes for like sending an email to OmniFocus or something. Like they had the, the action builder. That was before like extensions, before shortcuts and all of that. Like URL schemes were still huge at the time. And if you can see, like I, I don't have Launch Center Pro in my in my dock because I would like 2013, 2014, I was all in on editorial, which is also on Mike's home screen. Um, so yeah. Mike was also doing the workflows in editorial. I, I was teaching pills. I don't know what to tell you. Like you were using it, so I started using it to, I don't know, write my notes in, I guess. I don't know what to say. Like, well, I mean, I, here's the thing that's worth remembering. Back then, Apple Notes wasn't good. No. So you needed somewhere to keep your notes. And at that time, I think I was just using editorial as like my notes app. The like back then, everybody needed a markdown text editor just for their notes because yes, there wasn't a good place to put your notes. And so the app you're notes. thinking about, Mike, was in fact called Triage, um, and it was the app that like with with a swipe, so, sort of like Tinder, it lets you either archive or keep new email messages. Yep. Uh, yeah, uh, version two came out a came out a while back. Um, well, let's talk. No, I have one last thing. Okay. Similarly to Pinterest, do you remember why you were using Dig? No, no. I mean, it was got, you put the app on the home screen, man. I it's have like, no idea okay. what I was doing with <laughs> All right. Dig. This may have been the time when Dig like reinvented itself. Yes, yes. C- can can we talk about the literal? elephant in the room we all have evernote on our home <laughs> screens and yours federico is on the dock <laughs> yeah yeah i was man i was big on evernote at the time i was so big on ever in fact i realized something about myself and and i don't know this, this segment is funny because i feel like i'm also roasting myself this is a new flavor of roasting and i kind of well, enjoy I, it that was actually part of what i was thinking about of this one is like we would also be able to roast ourselves as, we as well as are, each other we are debuting a new format the self-roast this is what we're doing today um i realized that some things some things in our lives are are cyclical right we keep doing the same things over and over if you think about it steven this is where you come in you say time is a flat circle you love using that quote and i will accept it because i realized a few weeks ago that what i was doing with edit with evernote 10 years ago is pretty much what i'm doing with obsidian now <laughs> for example for example yeah. at the time I used to rent a Mac Mini at Mac Mini Colo. So I had way before Mac State before Mac Stadium was called Mac Stadium, they were called Mac Mini Colo. And you could rent a virtual, well no, a physical Mac Mini. Yeah, an, an yeah, actual and, one. Yeah. An actual one. And and I had a personal um Mac Mini at Mac Mini Colo. And I was using it to <laughs> to keep Evernote always running in the background. Like that Mac mini had Apple Mail and Evernote always open. And I would use Hazel on that remote Mac mini sitting somewhere in a data center in Las Vegas 
to run some Apple scripts. So that I think I was doing two things. One, I had Apple scripts to process messages in the mail app and put them somewhere in Evernote automatically. Then I had Apple scripts to take a look at um, a folder of markdown text files and save those quick notes in my Evernote inbox. I also had a whole paperless workflow. This was a thing at the time. I had a paperless workflow that used Hazel to do some OCR on PDF documents that I saved in Evernote and log those PDFs expenses somewhere, I think in Dropbox. I had this all set up and I realized a couple of weeks ago, you know, you're still doing the same things now, 10 yeah. years later, just in a slightly different fashion. Now I have a Mac Mini in my living room, but I do have Hazel and I have shortcuts instead of Apple scripts. Um, and whenever I save a text file to a folder, it gets appended to a note in Obsidian. So really, the apps are different, but the lim- some of the limitations are still the same and some of the solutions haven't really changed in a decade. It's kind of good to just know that about yourself, you know, that like you're always going to do this. Yes. No matter what, you know, and you just kind of know that and move mm-hmm. forward. Not Twitter in the dark there. Mike, you already had Google Chrome in your dock. Yeah, baby, this is the great Chrome <laughs> experience. <laughs> Look at that icon. <laughs> Look at that icon. Hey, uh, it's better than a bunch of the other icons mm, on my home screen. Arguably. Right? It's better than the Google Maps icon. Yeah, that one's yeah, a crime. Yeah, I guess <laughs> this was when back when I was using Chrome like for my web browser on my iPhone. And like it was a tough time, right? It was not easy to do this. I still stand by the reason I did it, which was that if I was I was using Chrome on the desktop, and I wanted to use the same web browser, so all my history and shared tabs and stuff. Like, it was just really hard and annoying to do then. I used to have a bunch of shortcuts that I would use that would open URLs in one web browser or the other, depending on like whether it, you know, if I tapped a link and it opened in Safari, and yeah. then I'd hit a shortcut to open it in Chrome. Like, that was like a thing I had to do back at the time. And I did it for a really long time. I kept it going for an incredibly long time and then stopped. And then Apple made it possible <laughs> to have a third-party browser as your browser. But that was me all the way back then doing do, my do thing. You see, do you see my screen? So my screenshot has 9.41 a.m. in the status bar. Uh, so to give you some context... Full signal strength. Some co- to give... <laughs> But that's oh, a fake this was when bar. you were uh, yeah clean, yeah, clean status bar. Uh, yes, this was the time when I was obsessed with having a clean status bar, and <laughs> it's like I'm the opposite he, of you. No service for some reason, and thirty three percent back. Oh, I know, I was at work. Uh, uh, I couldn't get I couldn't get cell reception in in my office because we were in a big skyscraper. So, so, so to, I couldn't get any cell reception. I, I remember, I remember now. Uh, this was the time. So this is before uh, workflow. Workflow would come out in December of 2014. So this is before workflow. At the time, I was obsessed with having a clean status bar, which in hindsight was was a huge waste of time. But hey, you know, I was, I was younger and I had my quirks. Um, 
I still do different ones. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, Just then, none now. But, but, but at the time, there was no Apple frames, right? I did, there was no Apple frames shortcut. So the way I was doing the clean status bars, I had a Python script that I put together and I'm pretty sure I got some help by, uh, from Dr. Drang at the time, I think, to do... Uh, basically, these screenshots were composited using Python and the Python image library of Pythonista, which I, I'm pretty sure it's somewhere on page two, or Editorial, because Editorial had the same engine as Pythonista. Um, and so, yeah, all these screenshots were composited with a fake status bar using Python. And I remember... Like the time I spent making sure that the status bar would work if the like Apple changed. I think in iOS 6, the status bar was multicolor, like it could be black or it could be like blue, I think. Um, and then it, it became sort of transparent in iOS 8 or something. And so there was like this huge thing about like, uh, what do I do with the status bar now? Yeah, many, many weeks spent making Python scripts. I found I found links to all that uh, for the oh, show perfect. notes. Perfect, perfect. Oh, I see. Yeah, iOS status bar cleaning on any background. Yeah, that was yeah that was a thing. That was a thing at the time. Steven. yes. Mike and I have Beats Music. Uh huh. You had the music app. Yeah. But that's before Apple Music, so you were of course listening to your own music library. Yeah, purchasing and uh, and. I was probably using, or I'm almost confident I was using Apple, the iTunes match, right? So your yeah. stuff would be everywhere. But yeah, I did not, you actually did not use Beats Music. Um, I didn't use it until it became Apple Music, you know, sometime after this. And I have only dabbled with Spotify. So I was not a, uh, not a streaming person until Apple got in the game. Gmail and mail. Yes, I remember this when I saw the screenshot. I had personal and relay email and mail and my day job in gmail because we used google apps and i wanted to uh keep those things separate so and on the mac i used i used mailplane so it was all like the gmail experience at work mailplane wow rest in uh, peace a ro rotation lock on for steven always it's on today on my phone right here <laughs> always Almost. Really? What what happens when you want to watch a video in Lens? I hit the button in YouTube and it and it rotates. <laughs> you know, like if you make a video full screen in YouTube, it automatically rotates the landscape. Oh, it does. Oh, okay. So uh, I wouldn't know yeah. because I don't use rotation lock. So. Uh huh. Okay, so some app choices in hindsight are sort of questionable, right? Yeah. Um, but Safari weather photos fantastical messages. i believe that weather app is check the weather from our friend underscore ah that's not uh, the apple weather one okay not the apple weather one uh, that's a good good detail good detail insta paper so i got an email from insta paper yesterday oh boy who owns insta paper now uh, they took it back right they took it back they took it yes. back okay from so pinterest they, pinterest owned from it pinterest. yeah now it's it's indie again i think and okay. they got it back they they like okay so you don't hear about instapaper much anymore and i think i think they sort of missed the whole 
kind of renaissance of these read later tools like Matter, Readwise, like, like this new generation of read later tools. But it's still around and they're still shipping updates. Yesterday I got an email saying that they shipped like a better text parser, some kind of newsletter integration as well. So like it's still around. And I mean, arguably, there's more updates for Instapaper than there are for Pocket. <laughs> these days and yeah if you're called pocket now owned by mozilla and mozilla i don't know what they're doing with the app they're they stuffed it with recommendations from like publishers you don't follow they're doing weird things to pocket um mm-hmm. but yeah this was the era of like in our community we were all pretty much using instapaper i think it was definitely the more sort of at the time instapaper was still made by by marco i think uh, 2014 maybe not no, 2014 i don't think not. so right if overcast yeah over yeah so if overcast was around then instapaper was already they sold it in 2013 it looks like yeah so it was it was made by betaworks and now it's made by betaworks again well i don't actually think it is I, isn't it is it betaworks again because i know it was betaworks then it went indie then it was pinterest right oh, okay. is that how that went yeah i don't Ooh. remember and now it's indie again um, yeah, it's it's very it's it's definitely had a a, a hard life. Indie in the middle, I think Betaworks maybe sold it to Pinterest. I don't know, who could tell? And then I I I just need to I just need to I feel like I need to say something. Um, as much as I love Obsidian, nothing will ever top editorial for me. Hmm. Just hmm. it was a time, man. It was like a a time and a vibe. It was a vibe. Yes. Here's the thing. Um. Obsidian is much, much more powerful than editorial ever was. And, I mean, they have like a million users they announced. There's hundreds of thousands, I want to say, of plugins. You're looking for something, you can find it for Obsidian. But the thing is, unless you have some pretty basic, but still JavaScript skills, you cannot make an Obsidian plugin yourself. And the genius behind editorial was that it allowed you with an automator-like UI, which eventually would be a shortcuts-like UI, it allowed you to make your own enhancements for the text editor with a graphical user interface. And you could just drag and drop actions and insert variables. And, you know, and sure, you could write Python code, but you didn't have to. And I'm going to say something else. There was much greater freedom in the custom pieces of UI that you could create in editorial than there is today in 2023 in shortcuts. Editorial allowed you to put together uh, all kinds of lists and menus and and input boxes and windows and previews. Like you could do all kinds of native UI 10 years ago in editorial and you cannot do the same in shortcuts today. I'm, I am still so like, and here's something else. If editorial came back, I would probably switch again. Like as much as I love Obsidian, just that idea. What of, about the web stuff though? Well, like, but, but that idea of you make your own auto. I mean, you know me, you, you make your own automations. Ah, man, that, that was a time. It was incredible. It's too bad. If mm. you like, if you've ever wondered like, the origins of the Federico Vitici iOS review, you know, like the big long review, like that editorial review is like, that's like your origin story. Yeah. Yes. 
I yeah. found it and put it in the show notes. It's the one that you yeah. turned into a book. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. I'm going to read you a quote from the editorial website. Editorial sits at the forefront of the post-PC era, Whoa. and it's become an indispensable tool for my professional life. Mm. Federico Vitici. Mm. Right next to it. Editorial is the app that I actually use to write the scripts for my videos. CGP Grey. That yeah. links to episode one of Cortex. <laughs> No, no way, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> weird. And now weird. both using Obsidian. Now both so. using Obsidian. Before we wrap up today, I feel like I just need to say I hate my home screen so much. Yeah, me too. I hate the apps that I've chosen. That's what I hate. Like, there's so many apps here where I'm like, why do I have all of these? You know, Wonderlist, Silo, Clear, Dew, and OmniFocus. Why do I also have Editorial, Evernote, and Drafts on the same home screen? Like, what am I doing, you know, with all this stuff? Why is day one there? Like, was I even using it? I don't even know. Who could tell? Using Foursquare a lot. That's for sure. I, Foursquare. I did there. use Foursquare a lot. I Because back then, like, that was the best way to get recommendations for places to eat and drink and stuff like mm-hmm. that like google wasn't very good at that then like what were you doing with uh launch center pro i mean i was doing what everyone was doing you know L- launching google chrome on specific web pages i mean honestly probably <laughs> uh you know what I, oh i remember what i was using it for then uh launching show docs launching show docs i was gonna say yeah i i had it for a long time launching uh yeah documents from so my I'd podcast that and then I would choose like which show, like I choose the show artwork, and it would open that show artwork. Yeah, you would, uh, you, uh, you you would probably um, prepend like Google Chrome colon slash slash to the Google Docs URL, and you would, yeah. No, I think it was just Docs colon slash slash. It was yeah, open it in the Google Docs oh. app, but get mm-hmm. right to it. Oh yes, you're right. You're right. That was one of my great discoveries that that did that. I, I just, it was one that. to say. I, I'm not saying like I worked it, I, but like I worked it out for myself. Like I didn't see it anywhere, and I tried it, and it worked. And yeah. I was really proud of the last thing I'll say is the Slack icon is so good, and they ruined it. Like seeing that Slack icon now, it's like, why did you do what you did? I would like, pay to use the Slack icon. I it already doesn't pay for Slack. bother me. It. Oh <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, that's the sore spot for me right now. The amount slack i'm just so annoyed at slack in general uh but like that the icon doesn't bother me now like it's fine but then when i see the old one i'm like yeah. that was so good it is it good so good bring it back it's the best icon on that home screen like i think it's the best icon on all of our home screens it's timeless timeless icon i mean it's no group me but it's pretty close <laughs> it's true do you still use group me steven yeah it's on the second second screen of my phone <laughs> <laughs> I really would love to see what the second and third screens of these phones look like. You know, know. like what's going on back there? Like, that's what I really want to know. Like, these are fun, but what's going on back there? It's got to be a bunch of folders because it's before the app library. Oh, yeah. So I only look, I only have two home screens and y'all just each have three. So there's a pile of folders beyond these somewhere. Yeah, I, I'm. I know that me and Federico have one more screen of apps on it though. Like, I'm sure of that. And then there's like the folder screen. You know, mm-hmm. no widgets tell you that i for one don't feel particularly roasted i feel like these are an item of their time no and yeah, no you're fine and we've grown really? mike's is the worst i actually think mike's is, is the worst mike's is the worst without shadow of a doubt mine is the worst like there is i'm fine with that mike mike's home screen is consistently the worst 
through the Not years. now. Mine is the best now. Ah, it was the worst then. These days, I have the best home screen. Have you seen it? Back then, I have the worst home screen. Well, let me tell you, dear listener, there'll be a link in the show notes to our current home screens as they are today. Where you'll see I have the best one. And you can, uh, I don't think we're going to roast them today, but you can no, just for another time. see how we've evolved. See how it's we've not waste. It's not roast waste, you know? Wait. No. We are carbon neutral roasting. <laughs> You know, we don't we don't want to waste them because that's like burning up for later. But I, you can see I have the best one anyway, so it's like we don't even need to get into it today. If you want to find links to stuff we spoke about this week, head on over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 475. Links also, of course, are in your podcast player. You have just a few days left to get Relay FM's official holiday shirt for 2023 that link to cotton bureau is in the show notes and if you're a member you can log into memberful and download wallpaper versions of that artwork that i put together last week um they're a lot of fun i'm using uh using it on my mac right now it's great you can also if you're not a member become a member and it's five bucks a month you get ad-free versions of the show that are longer this week we spoke about the upcoming live action zelda film and we made some picks on who should star in it and um Two of us had a lot of fun, and the other of us just sat there awkwardly. You can find us all online. You can find Mike on a bunch of other shows here on Relay FM and his work over at Cortex Brand. You can follow him online. He is iMike on Threads and iMike at Mike.social on Mastodon. Federico is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. You can follow him as Vitici at MacStories.net on Mastodon. You can follow me online. My writing is at 512pixels.net. I co-host Mac Power Users each and every Sunday here on Relay FM. Uh, we just did an episode about Apple Notes that I was really happy with. Uh, we did we went deep, deep into Apple Notes, and uh, it was a lot of fun. You can also follow me on Mastodon as ismh at eworld.social and ismh86 on Instagram and threads. I'd like to thank our sponsors, ExpressVPN and Backblaze, for making this episode possible. And until next time, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.